Welcome to Archibiz Unpacks, a podcast for architecture firm owners and leaders who are looking to grow their impact, lead a profitable business, and learn a thing or two in the process. Hi, I'm Beck Kempster, CEO of Archibiz and your host of Archibiz Unpacks. In case you haven't heard of Archibiz, we provide architects like you with practical business advice and education through online courses and programs, workshops and business coaching and mentoring. Each episode, we sit down with an expert in the architecture industry to bring you simple, actionable insights and strategies to help you lead your practice. Now, let's dig into today's episode. As financial analysts around the globe debate whether or not the US and Europe have actually hit a recession, more of you in our community are telling us that many projects are going on hold or that you're not landing the projects that you thought you had coming through your pipeline. Hi, I'm Beck Kempster, CEO of Archibiz, and joining me today is my co-founder and our chief mentor, Ray Brown. For those of you that haven't heard of Archibiz before, we provide business education and support to architecture practice owners. In response to what you've been telling us you're experiencing, we wanted to record this chat today to discuss some strategies for how you could mitigate these risks in your practice. So today we're going to be covering three strategies that you can use when responding to changing economic circumstances. Ray, what's the first strategy? The first strategy definitely is control the numbers. There's too many architects that we meet. They wait till the end of the year when they meet their accountant. Their accountant said, says you've had a good year, a bad year, a better than last year. Uh, and really, if you're going to run a successful architectural practice, you need much better clarity, much better uh, transparency around your numbers. What's working? What's not working? Um, and what we find is that most architectural practices are driven by two things. They're driven by the clients, whoever's shouting loudest, or driven by the work, uh, what needs to be done, where's the deadlines in, in all the projects. What we would in, of course, you're still going to be driven by clients and the work, but there's a place in there for the business to have its own place. And you need to look after the interests of the business so that in the not so good times when work is not flowing through the door, you at least know where you are um, what the future looks like. So accountants typically are looking historically at your business. We would encourage you to look forward. Look at the, the, the trends in your business. Uh, and something to, to look out for is what we call lead and lag indicators. So lag is where things have been in the past, your revenue for the last few months, or all of those things. But what are the lead indicators? How much work are you picking up? How, what's your average of work secured, we call it? And that, that's a key indicator of, of how much business you're going to do in the future and what your business is going to look like in six or nine months' time. Uh, because if you wait, well, six or nine months has passed, it's probably too late to take action. So first thing, get real clarity around your numbers. Right. I just want to dive into that lead indicator that you've flagged there. That's a really great one that we see a lot of practices we work with using, and that's the value of work secured. Can you just uh, briefly explain how that works and how people, viewers who might be listening today can track that in their practice? Okay. So it's very simple. If you record the number of proposals you're putting out each month uh, and how many of those you've won, and what the total value of those projects that you've won is in a particular month. Uh, so that gives you a real, really good indicator. But if you want to take it to the next level, 
then use what we call a rolling average. So add up the last six months of work secured, divided by six, and record that number. Record that number every month. And if that number is stable or improving, then that will give you a really good in indication of future work. If it's deteriorating over time, uh, and sometimes it's hard to you pick up jobs and then you go a few weeks without winning, that, that's what we would call a, a sleep at night number. It's a number that gives you that reassurance that irrespective of how you're feeling on any particular day, the work is coming in at a reasonable level. And if it's not coming in at a reasonable level, then now's the time to do something about it. Don't wait until you effectively run out of work. Ray, for sharing that strategy. What strategy two that we've got in our playbook to share with viewers today? Okay, so strategy two is related to the numbers, but it's about controlling the things that you can control. Okay, there are many things in the world that, that are out of our control, recessions and um, just general political uh, activities, if you like. And, and some of that, if you listen to the news, it can be really full of doom and gloom. But we can control things. We can control things like our website. We've got a little bit of extra time. How do we put time and effort into our website and make it more effective in terms of delivering work? And my, my key advice to you in looking at your website is you're not selling to other architects. You're selling to your client group. Who is it you're looking to attract? And what do you need to put on your website to bring those people in? By all means, have pictures of buildings, but don't make it a website that's exclusively pictures of buildings. Look at things like staff development. You can look at your people. Your staff will be just as worried as you sometimes about the business in the future, and they're listening to the news. So focus on your staff. Get the personal vision clear. Get their development plans right over the next period, and really keep working on that. Uh, third thing is have a plan B. Okay, If things aren't getting better, Rather than panicking, prepare in advance. So things that you can do here are looking at reduced working hours, looking at people uh, taking leave that they may have built up over time. But you can you can plan that when a particular trigger is reached, you can start implementing those things from a place of organisation and planning, not not panic. Um, the one thing that we emphasise to all our architectural clients is please don't use your people as a flexible resource. Okay? It's not something to be turned down and turned up. That, that will ruin your culture. It will make it very difficult to build a long-term, sustainable, successful architectural practice. Right. I want to go back first and talk about the staff development piece. Now, this is something that we've spoken a lot about internally with our coaching team because we are seeing this happen. We're seeing in the age of the great resignation when, particularly here in Australia, it is an employee's market. You can go anywhere and get that salary jump that you've been looking for for a long time in the current climate. We're finding that a lot of this is coming back to a lack of communication between the practice owner or leader and the staff. And because they're seeing a couple of projects go on hold or a couple of jobs getting missed, they're getting nervous and jumping ship. How do you overcome this feeling in your practice? What, as practice leader, do you need to be doing on a daily basis to stop this feeling? That's this, this all comes back to culture in your business. A strong culture will lead to people being more committed to your practice. Uh, and the way to do that is to... Communicate the, the real situation, communicate your plans, communicate sometimes even how you're feeling. 
because whether you like it or not, the team is going to know how you're feeling. If you're normally upbeat and now you're not quite so upbeat, then people will, if you don't give them the story, then they're going to make up the story. So you, you need transparency. You need people to think like a team. Uh, you, you need a business that's what we call a we business. We are going to get through this. We are going to take the actions required. Uh, we are going to do better than other people in our market at the minute. We know times are difficult, but let's um, let's work together to get this sorted out. If people don't feel part of the team, they're going to, as my father-in-law used to say, they're going to include themselves out and they're going to go and look for another job somewhere else. So you've got to, you've got to provide the glue that keeps these people within your practice, particularly in difficult times. You can't, difficult to overshare in those situations. Okay, great. And and plan B. So I want to go to this because this is also another strategy we've been talking about a lot. Let's unpack how you come up with a plan B. What are we doing to prepare a plan B and how drastic should it be? Well, plan B can take a number of different forms uh, and with a number of different triggers. Uh, normally revolving around uh, revenue and, and profit. So really, really getting... When we're looking at the numbers, we should be controlling our projects very tightly anyway, but plan B needs to be you know, which projects are making money, which projects are maybe not quite as profitable, and have it, having that level of transparency. Then we're looking at leave. Then we're looking at um, perhaps shorter weeks. And there should be a lot of steps before you think of cutting people costs. There may be other expenses that you've got. Look at your software that you've got. Do you need all of that software? Um, have a conversation with your um, landlord. Perhaps there's a reduction in rent for a short period if, if you really are struggling. So don't, don't limit yourself to the options within Plan B. There, there's a lot. Find out what other people are doing. Find out what, what other industries are doing in terms of coping with, with the recession. Uh, and I think a key is to keep in touch with your, your key clients, key referral sources, They'll be suffering as well, and it's not going to be exclusive to you and your practice. So keep in touch with them. How are they progressing? Where are they at? And at all costs, avoid the phone call that says, we're very short of work. Have you got any work for us at the moment? That's the last thing that people want to hear. But they are quite happy to speak to you. If, if you're going to be empathetic and you're going to be having a good, solid business conversation uh, in the context of difficult times, yeah, and look, a plan B does assume that you're doing plan A correctly as well, doesn't it? I mean, there's some really basic things that we come back to there all the time with our community and it's invoicing monthly. Are you uh, making sure that you're prioritising the work that needs to be invoiced rather than what you said earlier about the business being driven by the, the loudest client? It's making sure that you're working on those projects that you need to be able to invoice that month in order to get that cash flow coming in, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And every business that we come across, including our own, there's always room for improvement, new systems, new new ways of doing things, quicker ways to do things. And in, in difficult times, that's heightened up that thought process that there must be a better way. It's a great way to approach business to think that, yeah, you've been doing this for a long time. Yes, your systems are well developed. But what if there is a better way? What if there's a simpler way to do things? And we've got so many examples that we, we pick up uh, 
that show people you know, the best one I like is putting putting wheels in a suitcase. That took years and years, hundred years before they put wheels on suitcases, and another fifteen years before they put a second set, so your suitcase should sit upright. So don't assume that you've come up with all the best ideas. There are lots of new ideas to be got that will make your business more successful, more efficient, and ahead of the competition. That is the key. The one thing that you need to do in difficult times is keep ahead of the competition. There will be other people who will be thinking about the doom and gloom, who are submerged in, in negative thinking. Uh, leave them behind and you drive ahead with your business and, and you may welcome out a stronger business than you went into any bad period in the, in the market. And before we move on to the third strategy, I do want to touch on marketing costs. So when we're talking about what your plan B looks like, uh, I guess we always see that there's that first temptation to cut marketing. It's it's not just exclusive to architecture. It goes across the board with every business. We continually see marketing get cut first. Why should we not be cutting marketing as the first uh, sweep through that plan B option? Well, I think something we perhaps should have mentioned when we speak about numbers is, is you have a budget and you have a planned expenditure. Your expenditure needs to be planned and marketing is a key part of that. And, and I have suffered in the past. I've stopped marketing in a business and six months later, you don't have the clients coming in that you need. And you look back that six months and say, well, you didn't spend the money on marketing. So don't make marketing your first area to cut. It's probably one of the last areas that you should cut because you need to build that foundation and keep building in, as I say, particularly in difficult times. So that in six months time and nine months time, you've got the clients and the work that you need to employ the staff that you're going to try and keep. Thanks, Ray. Let's discuss strategy three for responding to changing economic circumstances. Ray, what do you suggest our viewers do? Okay, this is probably the most difficult one of all. And this is don't worry. Now, it's easy for me to say, don't worry. Um, but when you really think about it, worry adds nothing. It makes you feel bad. Um, it adds nothing to the process. And it actually makes the process of improving your business and making it stronger that bit more difficult because you're obviously worried. That comes across the staff. It will come across to clients. So the way to think about worry is as a non-productive activity. Okay, so the sequence is you think something, that creates a feeling, and those feelings create an action. So my encouragement to you is to try and control your thoughts. If you find yourself worrying, try and push that aside and try and think about what I can I do today that's going to make things better in the future? Well, what are the actions I can take? So... Try and be constructive in your thinking, not destructive. Then you move on to the feelings. Okay, well, I could do this, I could do that. And then you go to the actions. So it's it's really, at any time in business, controlling your thoughts as a business owner can be really difficult. Clients are hard to deal with. You Tomorrow you win a new job. So you tend to be a little bit up and down in your feelings. And that is, as an entrepreneur or a business owner, Controlling your thoughts is its one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given, that you can control what you think. You can control the thoughts that take root in your mind. And if, if you let the worry creep in, then that just exaggerates. It just becomes worse. One worry leads to the next. 
Um, and someone once said to me that people worry about two things. They worry about things that are going to happen and they worry about things that are not going to happen. But none of those are today. Okay? They may or may not happen in the future. Today, the one thing you can control is your thoughts and your actions. So what do I need to do today? What are the five, six or seven things that are going to do I can do perhaps around your numbers that we spoke about earlier, perhaps around your plan B. Those are really constructive things to exercise your mind on, not, oh my goodness, what, what if this happens or what if that happens in the future? Yeah, and look, Ray, I think that's really solid advice. Um, as a fellow business owner, it is so easy to get caught up in what you're feeling and uh it can become overwhelming pretty quickly. The more you can chunk it right down into micro things that you can do, the easier anything is to act on and, and to, to be positive about what lies ahead. Uh, we do also have a bonus strategy here that has been provided by one of our coaches, Jackie Kirk, and I'm sharing this with you because I love it. I think um, I'm hoping that as architects, many of you will get a bit of a laugh out of this one. That is think like a real estate agent. So what do real estate agents do? Well, they work their database really well. So have you got a database of your past clients, potential clients, all those referral leads? And what are you doing about them? You know, if you've got a bit more time on your hands, then get get engaged in some conversations with them. Pick up the phone, um, you know, drop in, see them. How are you going to get the conversation going? And it's really about making yourself top of mind. That's what real estate agents do really well. So keep that one up your sleeve. Uh, any thoughts to share on that one, Ray? Yeah, definitely working the list. I mean, we've all, all people that have been in business a long time have learned so much from the, the online marketplace. The most online businesses, all they have is a list of email addresses. They, they have no shop. They've got no office. Um, and what they do is they keep in touch with that list. They add value to that list so that when the time comes for someone to buy something that that supplier actually has on their uh, list, product list, then... People remember, oh, that value was added here, that really good blog post that I saw there. What was the name of that company again? So we need to do the same. Don't assume that people are going to come and knock on your door when they're ready. Add value along the process and, and keep in touch with them. Excellent. So let's recap on those three strategies for how to address or mitigate the risk of a changing economic circumstances or, or that recession that's being heavily debated about whether and when it's going to happen. Uh, the first strategy is get a handle on your numbers. Make sure you're across what's happening on a monthly basis. Do not leave it to your accountant at the end of the year. That's just too long to act on anything that could be going wrong. Uh, the second strategy there is control what you can control. So focus on those aspects around your team, your culture, your marketing, um, all those aspects that you, you know, preparing a plan B even uh, that you can control. And finally, don't worry. Uh, don't let it overwhelm you. Focus on what you can do. You know, the world is a very big place. It's bigger than it's ever been. So uh, just focus on what, what's, what's in your realm and what you can have an impact on. And uh, that bonus strategy again, behave like a real estate agent and work your database. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, you want more information about how you can navigate these changing times, then please check us out at archibiz.global and sign up to our weekly mentor memos. And there's a lot more resources you can download there. 
Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, share this episode with a friend, give us a five-star review, or even leave a comment. You can follow us on Instagram at HQ and find us on LinkedIn and Facebook also. Oh, and if you want more of Archibiz, make sure you download our free eight-step roadmap for finding more and better clients. You can find the link for that in the show notes. See you next time.